my wife was telling me things like, you're a leader. I'm like, what the hell are you talking? I'm not a leader. Yeah. She's like, you're, you deny you're, you're that. incredible. Like I could see you speaking to people one day. Like you're inspirational. Like I'm like, where are you getting this stuff? You saw it in me. I couldn't see it myself because I didn't have a good self-esteem. No. I didn't feel great about myself. Yeah. Deep down, I didn't believe any of that stuff. But that's a gift if someone believes in you. And that's a gift. And she deserves it. She deserves that person. Your kids deserve that person. You deserve that person. That right there. You deserve it. You need to be that person too. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I'm Matt. I'm Paige. And I know these episodes are supposed to be evergreen, which means that at any point you can click on any episode, even if it's years old. And it's supposed to fit right in your life without you knowing like what time of year it was or anything. Yeah. But just shout out. It's the first day of October and we are pumped. First day of Halloween. (laughs) Halloween season's a big deal for us. Uh, It was the first holiday we got to celebrate together when we first moved in. Yeah. And it's just become our thing ever since. Yeah. So this morning, uh, our son got me up early. He's like, we're going to the storage unit and we're getting the decorations and we're dragging them out. So I've been doing that and it's just, it's been a joy. It's been awesome. Yeah. Pumped. Uh, you've got some Halloween gear on, yes. as do I, actually. Yeah, I know, but it's like 93 degrees outside and we're wearing long sleeves. We keep the house cold. Stuff. We do. To fight against what's going on outside. <laughs> oh, I need <laughs> this weather to change. It's it's awful. But anyway, so shout out that. I just want yes. to start with that. This episode's a bit different, and I know that I say that probably every time, but it actually is <laughs> because this episode isn't meant for you if you typically listen. Yeah. We're making a shift. A little bit, yeah. So I I get asked a lot to create content that spouses and partners can share with their addicted partner. Uh And it's tough because people who are addicted by their very nature are extremely sensitive to criticism. And it's hard to walk that line between preaching and motivating somebody. Um, You do a really good job at that. I I do my best here, so stick with me. But (laughs) you're going to see me at some point. Like Maybe you've been sent a video. It's like, oh, it's this effing guy again, or it's this girl again like oh, yeah. it's these people you're gonna and the fact that she sent it to you means that she's been looking into this and you don't want to hear it and i totally get that and you're gonna assume a million things about me and tune it out and like i honestly i probably would have too yeah at some point in my life i would have gotten this and been like oh yeah i listened that was cool and just thumbs <laughs> up and send it back whatever Dang. but Thanks, I'm pretty self-aware. I know how I appear to people, but I want you to know a couple things. Like I am not some bubbly Instagram wannabe model, bro. I'm not some <laughs> motivational preacher speaker that read a couple of books and went to some classes and, and, you know, it invested in the art of like motivating people. I'm none of those things. I'm none of those things. I am an ex drug addict and alcoholic. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> That's what I am. If I'm anything, I'm not trying to convert you to any religion or any program. All I'm doing is sharing my experience. And if it resonates with you, maybe you can see for one second that we are not too different and that maybe you can see that if I did it, you could do it too. Why not me? It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? Yep. Why not me? If this, if this jack wagon did it, then maybe I could too, but I understand the hesitancy. I understand what's going on at this point in your life. There's a lot of fear wrapped up that a lot of people don't discuss around sobriety. Like if, when you were telling me like you need to quit drinking, I'm looking at that as control first of all. But then in the back of my mind, what I'm not sharing with you is like, man, life would suck if I couldn't drink. Mm -hmm. It would be awful. I would be bored out of my freaking mind. Like I never told you to stop drinking. Well, you know what I mean? Like if there were ever (laughs) arguments around my drinking, I could see where that was headed. Okay, It was always, yeah. Like in the back of clear that in the up. back of my mind, <laughs> I thought life was going to be boring as hell. I'd never laugh again. I'd never hang out with my friends again. Uh, I'd never be able to go to see a, a, a live concert. I'd never be able to golf or fish. Um, I'd never be able to watch a football or baseball game ever again. Vacations would be hell on earth. Sex would be boring. You name it. Like I had every fear wrapped up around it because alcohol to me was the conduit to good times. Right. Like it was the at the very least, a good time had to include a buzz Mm -hmm. or I wasn't having a good time. And I also figured that I'd probably be bitter forever because they can, I can't, that sucks. Life is awful. I thought that that was going to be going on. I thought that I would be, oh yeah. And I thought that I would be incredibly awkward. Um, and that I would also 
sort of carry around like this failure within me, like and never be comfortable not drinking because it would mean that I was a failure as a man. Wow. So there's a lot of insecurities wrapped up in it that I didn't ever talk about with anybody. Uh, but those things, all the fears I just mentioned could not be further from the truth. Um, I have more joy in my life today, more passion than I've ever had more intimacy yes. and closeness in my relationships than I have ever had. And I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't like this right away. Those first 90 days were actually hell on earth. Mm -hmm. And that first year was incredibly difficult. Yeah. It's really, really, really tough. There's a lot of things changing within you as you stop taking the substance and your brain is healing and your emotions are just all over the place. Um, the relationships are not the greatest. So there's going to be some tension, some things that someone maybe wants to discuss about what's happened and you're just not ready for it. And I totally get it. I understand. But on the other side of that is beauty like you've never known. And it's unlikely that I'm going to say anything today that's going to make you go, oh my God, I've never looked at it that way before because generally we're not dumb people. And right. I'm, say, I'm talking about people that abuse substances in some way. We're not dumb people. Um, I've met doctors, lawyers, judges, pilots, um, academics, PhDs, master's levels, master level people, like master's degrees, right. uh, CEOs, VPs, um, politicians. I mean, you name it. It affects everyone. It does not discriminate, but I've never met anyone that was too dumb to get sober, but yeah. I've met more people than I can count that were too smart to yep. get sober. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, dude, you don't get me. I'm smart. I'm, I can I'm, figure this out. Mm -hmm, I got it. So I'm just different. listen for just a moment as, as I kind of walk through this stuff and I promise you it'll be worth your time at the end. If anything, it will have given you some perspective that you didn't have before. Um, this last year, my wife and I have learned a lot about your partner, a ton. Actually, mm -hmm. we started our journey together 22 years ago. We've been together since we were 14 years old. I think it's 22 years. I always lose tracks. 22 or 23. I, I think it's 20. I think it's 22. It's I've said 23 there. before, but it's, yeah. it's up there. And, um, I, I used, I was a big opiate guy. That was my big one. Um, opiate pain pills and alcohol. And then I did a lot of stuff on the side too. I would smoke weed. I would take Adderall. I would mix in some benzos and some other things, but for the most part, it was those two. It was opiates and alcohol for 10 years in our relationship. And I hid this from her. She didn't really know what I was up to. I mean, you suspected something's up because this guy's a maniac. Yeah. He's unstable. He's all over the place. Like intimacy and I don't just mean sexual intimacy I mean like closeness within the relationship was gone mm -hmm. we were just roommates at one point mm -hmm. and life was it was just not what I had I remember looking in the mirror one day I was like this is not what I had intended yeah I always thought that I would grow out of it I always thought there'd be some event that occurred in my life that got me sober and all those events came and went and nothing ever changed like graduating college didn't do it getting married didn't do it having kids didn't do it you know, starting new companies, all this stuff, like these big events that you would think would be life changing. Like in the moment, I'm a little excited about it, but then nothing changes. I'm yeah. still the same guy. I'm watching life pass me by. And I had this moment suddenly where I was like, I, I can't be doing this anymore. Checked into a treatment center. Then in the last 10 years, I've been sober and we have been working through a lot of the stuff that we went through. Um, there's so much trauma that takes place inside of a relationship when you're on drugs and alcohol all the time mm -hmm. that we don't realize. And so we've spent the last year talking with your spouses and having them share their experiences, stuff that when I was in your position, I didn't know was going on. I had no clue. I just, I was just unaware. Yeah. I was unaware that I was causing damage to anybody. Um, but I want, I want you to know something is that your partner loves you dearly and you don't deserve it based on what I've heard mm. and that's grace and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So it's not done. There's still a chance. I hope that someone hears that and goes, okay, so what do I need to do? Yeah. And so that's where we can get started. And I just want to let you know that you've got someone amazing that sent this to you. And I also know that all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes takes a toll and your good credit does have an expiration date. It has an expiration date. Yep. So I, um, I didn't make this up. I actually got this from a doctor friend of mine, a, a medical doctor. He, he said he would spend years and years and years with patients who had some kind of, usually it was heart troubles. I think that he did a lot of uh, cardio type stuff, cardiovascular stuff. And he would tell them, he would look at their blood work and be like, Oh my God, this guy's like a walking ball of cholesterol. His blood pressure's through the roof. He's 
hundred pounds overweight. And he would tell them, you need to lose weight or else you're going to die. And people would just kind of look at you and like, ah, oh, I know, I know. And then they would come back in the ER, you know, with a heart attack six months later. And he's like, why don't they listen? Like I told him this would happen. Like, yeah. why aren't they listening? So then he did something a little bit different. He appealed to people's human side, the emotional side, and started to get better results out of his patients. I've done the same thing, and this is what I'm going to do here. So 75% of people with a substance abuse disorder are men. Mm -hmm. That's just statistically speaking. So chances are most of the people that were sent this are men, but this goes both ways. This goes for women as well. There are a lot of same-sex partners that deal with this. Um, it's all over the, it's all over the place. Right. So, but I'm going to be speaking to men, um, primarily cause that's typically what I normally do when I work with people in mm -hmm. recovery is yes. I'm working with men one-on-one -on -one. and that's your experience too. Yeah. This has been my experience. So right. I can only speak to that. Right. <clears throat> right. So I'm going to appeal to that. Um, for men with daughters, listen up. I want you to know that in the not too distant future, there's going to be another man walking your daughter down the aisle to give her away to her husband and let that resonate for just a second. There's going to be another man, not you walking that beautiful girl down the aisle. And he's going to turn her over to her husband. She's going to turn around and give him a kiss. She's going to smile and thank him because you won't be there. Either you didn't make it out alive or you burned the bridge so bad that you're not welcome at that ceremony. Mm. I have seen this play out more times than I can count. And I've got a little girl. And when she was born, I was never more grateful because I had the opportunity to show her what a man should be. I thought that my daughter was going to get me sober. Yeah. I thought that when she was born, that was going to be the thing that rocketed me into the next dimension. And I would start living the life that I always intended. But when she was born, I don't need to tell you how stressful kids are. Yeah. You're going to sleep less than ever. It's going to be incredibly mad around the house and you're probably going to use more, which is what I did. Yeah. That my was use, our most difficult. Year. Oh, it was horrible. My use was yeah. all time bad. But when, when she was born, I remember looking at her and there's a picture of this, of me staring at her and she's staring back at me. And we both have the same smile on our like faces. Just alike. And I'm just like, man, this is, this is an opportunity for me to show, to, ch to impact a life, to change a life, to show her she doesn't have to tolerate BS off of anybody that she can do anything she wants in this world. Yep. That was going to be my opportunity as a father. That is such an opportunity and a responsibility that we carry. So if you've got a little girl, this should hit. You've got an opportunity to model the qualities that one day she will look for in her partner. Yeah. So you get a chance to be soft when needed and you get a chance to be hard at other times and show her when each of those is appropriate. You get to validate her feelings and let her know that she's safe when she's hurting. And you get to show her how not to take shit off of anybody that doesn't think she can do things that quote unquote women aren't supposed to do. But I just, I want guys to realize that if you've got a little girl around the house, she's watching the way that you interact with her mother. 100%. She is watching that as the example and you're lying to yourself. If you think that alcohol isn't affecting your presence and the way that you show up. Yeah. So maybe you can look at your use and say, well, it's not that bad. I'm not always drunk, but are you your best? Are you your absolute best at all times? No, factually, no, objectively, no, you are not. You're not your best. You're just not. And I know how that feels to hear that. Cause I was pretty convinced I was great at what I did when I was drinking, but on the other side of it, I can tell you that I'm not my best. Yeah. So it is a huge responsibility within the relationship you have with your partner. That's the example that she will see. Your daughter will see when she sees how you talk and how you fight. That's maybe the most important. What are fights like? You can, we like my wife and I, we have some heated arguments at times, mm -hmm. but the way that we handle it, we don't throw things. We don't cuss at each other. We don't call each other nasty names. We don't belittle each other. It doesn't get physical. We handle things like adults and we make apologies and the kids see that stuff. We model healthy behaviors. That's the responsibility of being a father. That's what being a man is about. If you've got a daughter in your house and for those of you with sons, let's say that you've just got a house full of sons and God bless. If you do, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably it's a circus, <laughs> man. When they're little, we had, we had some, my, our son, had a friend over last night and like, it's the most, they're, the, they're so disgusting. They're so disgusting. <laughs> they are gross. 
They will fart on each other yes. and just think that is the funniest thing. And they like twerk and stuff. Like, they'll just, just like twerk around the house. They're a mess. When they're little, they are such a mess, man. But they're it's fun though. They're amazing. They're amazing. Embracing but every moment. I want you to know that as men in general, we are falling behind. This includes young boys. These are just facts. Mm-hmm. In school, the professional world, economically, socially, you name it. Being a man isn't just about going to the factory with a lunch pail anymore and then coming back home to crack a beer and your wife and her, you know, 1950s apron ask you how your day was. That doesn't fly anymore. That sailed long ago. Here's the problem. We didn't get the memo. Yeah. So we've got to be more well-rounded as men. Masculinity in the face of it has changed, but many men have not. Mm-hmm. We weren't told we had to. It, all we've ever been told was it's your job to go to work and provide. Yeah. We were never, it was never really explained to us. Hey, things have changed a little bit. Well, we're, I don't know. Women are challenging y'all now. Well, yeah, but <laughs> as men, we're not having these real conversations about what it is to be a man, yeah. what it is to be masculine. We think it's, you know, be intimidating, be mean and go to work. That's, I don't know. Isn't that kind of sums up the definition of like what a male has been? Yeah. Like. Aggressiveness, risk-taking behaviors, and provide. Yeah. But it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Like, Be well-rounded. Be able to lift weights, read books, know about great poetry, have a killer instinct in business, show up authentically, validate and empathize with the feelings of others, and be able to defend yourself and your family with needed all at once. Yes. That encompasses what we're looking for today. This is, this is what's required of men today. So if no one told you, I'm telling you now, but if you're a one dimensional male raising a one dimensional male, then we're all in trouble. Yeah. The the definition of masculinity is changing and we have to keep up. And just like you are the role model to your daughter, to what her future husband will be, you are your son's role model. I'm sure that you've got a few highlight moments where you're playing catch in the backyard. Like we all do, but what about an average day or night? What about the fights where you come home? And you've had one too many and something gets thrown or you scream or you lose your mind or you're short tempered. They remember that stuff a lot more than they do playing catch with you out back. Yeah. That's the stuff they remember. They remember the lying, the cheating, Mm -hmm. the dishonesty, all that stuff. They will model that behavior. Yep. Little kids are sponges. Yes. They are sponges. That's how they learn is by watching others. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a responsibility if you've got kids involved. And think about what mama bear's doing when she's seen all this going on. She's got to protect her cubs. Amen. Which generally means getting away from guys like me. Mm-hmm. And that's it's unfortunate. They don't want to do that. But if you leave someone with no choice, eventually they're going to have to do what they have to do. Yeah. So uh, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're just starting your lives together. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, you have an amazing person in your life and you're letting a liquid get in between you and the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. When you put it in those terms, it is, it's just a liquid. It's a liquid in a bottle. Yeah. And somehow that, that gets in the way of everything that we dream. That, that gets in the way of the things that we wanted to do when we were little kids growing up at some point, a little liquid, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's heavier than that, man. And I know it's tough for spouses to, to hear that, but like I'm here as an advocate for spouses and partners, but I'm also going to advocate what it's like to be an alcoholic or an addict for a moment. Cause it ain't easy. It ain't just a liquid. It's so much more than that. At some point I just didn't feel comfortable in my skin. And I realized that if I drank alcohol, all the stress would just melt away. If I took a drug, all the stress would just melt away. And I felt like a million bucks. I could handle any problems. Stuff just kind of rolled off my shoulders, man. It was easy. And like those first, I don't know, dozen or so times it worked and I didn't have any consequences. I was like, I'll just do this from now on. Like, this is simple. I see everyone else doing it. What's the problem? Because drinking become it's become so acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's become so freaking acceptable just to come home. Well, it's like that's how people they've had a really stressful job. They come home and that's what they do. Yeah, it's just to decompress, man. And it gets hooks in you, and then it becomes a behavior, and then it becomes an impulse, and then it becomes compulsive where you can't even control it anymore. Yeah, and it's just, all bets are off. It's so much more than just a liquid. It's it's not just the liquid. It's what the liquid does to us when we get it in our bodies. And for me, it was the only way I felt safe. The thing I liked most about drugs and alcohol, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, 
uh, is that the, the guarantee, the guarantee of it all. Mm -hmm. I love that no matter what happened that day inside of that bottle was a guarantee that I would feel exactly how I wanted to feel. Yeah. I couldn't control the world on an average day. I couldn't control that. You know, some of my customers were going to say, you know, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Now I got tough decisions to make. I couldn't control the fact that, you know, someone got in an accident and it made me an hour and a half late and made me look like an idiot. Like that stuff it, in each of those events leaves feelings that I didn't really know how to deal with mm -hmm. the stress, the anxiety and all that stuff, man. But if I knew if I got drunk, I knew exactly how I'd feel. And it was exactly what I was after. Just numb to it all. Nice and easy, easy going. I'm happy now. I love the guarantee of it all. It's just, I just, I love that. If if there was a, a pill they sold that would just guarantee easy emotions, I would have done that, mm -hmm. you know, but it just happened to be alcohol. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you're just starting your lives together, I, uh, that, that was kind of our story. So I started using before kids mm -hmm. and then used for a short period of time with our daughter. Uh, she was nine months old when I finally got sober. Yeah. So I've, I've had over 10 years now. And in that time, uh, my wife and I have become as close as two people can possibly be. Like she is my ride or die. And she would do anything for me. I mean, anything, but I almost lost it all. I was taking on an average day, 20 pills per day just to get by. And that's not to like have a great time and not off and, you know, look high. That's just to get by. So I didn't get sick. Mm -hmm. 60 pills on a bad day drinking daily, smoking. And at one point, I think you thought that I was the man that you had always dreamed of. And then something happened and suddenly now it's your worst nightmare. Yeah. Like I was lying to you. I convinced you that you were crazy in arguments and that you were the one with the problem. Yeah. I talked down to you. I made you feel like you were two inches tall. And, and like, for what, what was all that for to defend my fragile ego was at stake. That's what it was. I couldn't possibly be wrong. I couldn't be the problem because that means I have to look at myself for a second and I can't point out your faults. I have to just look at my own in a, in a vacuum and say, what's going on with me? That's a scary thing to do. Yeah. And like I said, like as men generally or anyone who's masculine, you don't, we're not taught how to do this stuff. Like I'm not saying it, it's an excuse, but consider the fact that we've never really been taught how to do this. Yeah. Like we were taught by a generation that literally told us to rub dirt on it, get over it. Yeah. Like from a very young age, I was smacked for crying. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's how we dealt with stuff. Mm. You know, that's mm -hmm. how we dealt with stuff that you get hit harder. I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. These are things we say to little boys and that stuff. We grew up to be men. Some of that stuff has a place. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not totally like, Oh, you poor baby. Like my son stubbed his toe the other night, <laughs> came downstairs limping like Carrie Strugger in the 1996 Olympics. Like his foot was about to fall off. And I was like, bro, you don't have to suck it up a little bit. I know that hurts, mm -hmm. but we don't need the theatrics. Right. And he kind of looked at me like, mm -hmm. what? I'm like, yeah. Get upstairs. You're fine. <laughs> There's a balance. There is. But I mean, but this is how we were treated all the time. Right. You know, all the time. Yeah. It was just, uh, yeah. Any, anything in, in, one extreme or the other is not good. Yeah. But anyway, um, I was defending my fragile ego anytime I was acting like a fool and I couldn't look my own actions in the face. I couldn't look myself in the mirror for what I really was. Uh, I was everything I swore I would never be at one point. And I realized that like in one of my lucid moments, I'm like, Oh crap. And then I, I realized that you weren't trying to control my life. You were trying to save it. Yep. I'm not saying that you didn't have things to work on. Yeah. And like, that's the the biggest backlash I get from people who are in addiction when their spouses are telling them like, you need to stop this. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do is tell them you're just as bad. Mm -hmm. You do this. You, you yell, you're, you know, you're, um, you're unstable. You're depressed. You've got your own stuff. And sometimes they'll go as far as to say, you're the reason I do all this stuff, mm -hmm. man. Bullshit bull like stop no that's not true and we both know that yeah you are not you are not that flexible <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you are not that moldable yeah like these are people I, I know you're strong people we are strong people and we go to the beat of our own drum typically mm -hmm. like those are convenient excuses when you want to get someone off your back but that's not the truth I know that you did have things to work on, yeah. but they paled in comparison to what I had to work on. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it was tiny. Yeah. Your stuff was tiny. Yeah. And to be honest, I cost a lot of the stuff in you okay, that I had right. problems with. Right. Like, oh, you're always depressed. Well, why do you think that is, smartass? <laughs> you know, could it be? Yeah. Yeah. It was we were we had a very unstable life. So yeah. Yeah, like, why are you so sensitive and you're always crying? It was, could it be because you snap and throw things and scream at me a lot? Yeah, and tell me that I'm wrong all the time. Yeah, and then I'm telling you that if you need to fix that stuff, and I'm, I'm not moving until you move. It doesn't work that way. In recovery, one of the most valuable things I learned to do is just look at my side of the street. Stop worrying about my neighbor's grass and what his house looked like and just worry about mine. Such good advice. What's going on in my life that I can change today. Mm -hmm. And what you'll come to see is that a lot of people you have problems with around you suddenly get better as soon as you do, Mm -hmm. which is a tongue in cheek way of saying that we were the problem all along. Yeah. I hear that all the time. It's like, dude, my wife is like, she's getting better. Like my boss is nicer. Like everything's better. I'm like, oh, that's fun. That's funny, isn't it? (laughs) What's that common denominator there? (laughs) I think that's something. But it's true. I'm not saying that other people don't have stuff they need to work on, but um, I'm just I'm tired of the poor me syndrome, the PMS. Yes. I don't know who said it, but I love that. I do too. The poor me syndrome. Poor me. Poor me. Like she's your partner's challenging you to be a better man because she sees something in you that you can't even see in yourself right mm-hmm. now. Think of her like a baseball scout that's on some backfield in Iowa and sees the next great thing, and she's like, "That one's got potential. I can see it in him." If he would just do X, Y, Z, everything would be right. And she's right. You've got to know that there's benefit in you listening to that message, believing that message and doing the same thing, because that was my life for a long time. My wife was telling me things like, you're a leader. I'm like, what the hell are you talking? I'm not a leader. Yeah. She's like, you're, you deny you're, you're that. incredible. Like I could see you speaking to people one day, like you're inspirational. Like I'm like, where are you getting this stuff? You saw it in me. I couldn't see it myself because... I didn't have a good self-esteem. No. I didn't feel great about myself. Yeah. You know, I would pretend I did. Like that whole like narcissist persona we put on, but that mm-hmm. wasn't real. That's all fake. That's fodder. That's just that's for images and stuff, you know? But deep down, I didn't believe any of that stuff. But that's a gift if someone believes in you. And that's a gift. And she deserves it. She deserves that person. Your kids deserve that Your person. Kids. You deserve that person. That right there. You deserve it. You need to be that person too. Life can get so much better. And I just, I want to get that out there. I I generally shy away from saying direct things like this because I never want someone to stumble across our content, like their their darkest moment and feel like they're left out or that this message was too harsh when they just needed someone to be gentle. But it's like, so be it. Like I have a little bit of edge in me and this is just what I believe. This is what I feel. Cancel me, whatever. It just, this is. These are the facts, this right? This is authenticity. This is how you roll. These are the facts. So yeah. I wanted to cover a handful of things. So when, anytime I work with someone in sobriety, generally here's how it rolls. I get a text or a, a, a DM and it's like, hey, I'm in crisis. I need to talk to somebody. Do you have a moment? I'm like, yeah, I got you. And then it's sort of like the same 10 or 12 things that people will ask about. And so I've kind of gathered them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I have to make a case for sobriety. Which is kind of crazy, but think of it in uh, in business. We call these cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you wanted to buy a new software, and the new software was hundred thousand dollars. This new software, over the course of three years, would increase your productivity, and you would make an extra three hundred thousand dollars minus the cost of the software. You net two hundred grand. Yeah, it's a good decision. Right, that's the cost benefit analysis. The cost is worth the benefit. When it comes to alcohol, I have yet to see someone present to me a cost benefit analysis that explains why people stick to this. Wow. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So what does it actually provide you? Like think about it for a moment. What is it actually providing you? Mm -hmm. And let's run a cost benefit analysis on it for a moment. What's the cost? What's it going to cost? What what are you buying? Family problems. Sometimes you give up your freedom. DWIs, DUIs, Mm -hmm. um, domestic disputes where alcohol was involved and suddenly you are on probation or you have lost freedoms. Yeah. That is a real cost that a lot of people deal with jobs. How many times have you not come to work, been fired and you think it's your boss's fault? Alcohol was really at the bottom of it. Or where are you in your company right now compared to where you could be if you gave it a hundred percent or what business did you not start because you just can't get right? Yeah. Think of that. That's a cost. 
all the missing potential, those things we talked about, the things, the qualities that people see in you that you know were deep down there somewhere that you're just not getting after because it's easier to get drunk today. Yeah. That's a cost. How about hangovers? Oof. I am grateful that I have never had to experience a hangover in my late thirties, but I hear they're shit. <laughs> I hear they're awful. Hard. You know about that page? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My once a year ordeal. <laughs> Man, it didn't look fun. It was enough for me to be like, <laughs> like, nope. That's it's that's a, a reminder. That's a cost. Okay, <laughs> that's a cost. Arrested development. Yeah. So when you start using heavily, you will stop experiencing emotions from the beginning to the end. For instance, let's say that you are sad. Your favorite team lost. I don't know. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe someone passed away in your family. You're sad. It's a big one. Rather than dealing with the pain, the grief, and processing the stuff, you drink mm-hmm. and it goes away. It numbs you. You wake up the next morning and you're still sad because mm-hmm. you haven't dealt with it. And what mm-hmm. do you do? You drink. You're just, it's just like paying on a credit card. It's one day you got to pay that debt. Yep. You got to pay it off one day. And when you don't and you keep putting it off, putting it off, get drunk, putting it off, you get what's called the rest of development. Your, your development has been arrested. It has stopped. It has seized. Yeah. When I get sober at 27, I was the same dude I was when I was like 17. Oh, yeah. Mentally and emotionally. Oh, for sure. I was, I hadn't really gone through anything in mm-hmm. those 10 years. I was just drinking. So I didn't know how, I, I didn't know how to adult. I didn't know how to deal with anger or sadness or depression or any of these things. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. That's a cost. Divorce, another cost. Loss of custody of your kids, another cost. Financial consequences. Mm. All the great decisions we make when we're drinking Mm -hmm. or all the money that we spent on it. How many tens of thousands of dollars have been spent on booze so that you could just disappear? It's insane to think about. How about all the angst and drama that comes with it? So why do people do this? Aside from the fact that it's an addictive substance, and it does hijack the mind. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what's really behind it. And this is my experience and the experience of people that I've worked with. It's just a cheat code to relax. That's what drugs and alcohol really are. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're a cheat code to relax. It's the fastest way to get from I'm uncomfortable to I'm good. Yeah. It's boom, instant, right? Yeah. It's a, it's barely, it's also a lazy solution for boredom. Yes. So it's a cure for boredom for many people. Yep. It's an instant cure for awkwardness. <laughs> it's literally a crutch. And it's not the fun thing it used to be because that has long since passed. But we just described some of the massive costs versus the benefits. Mm-hmm. Now most, okay, and the, here's here's another screwed up part is that the great obsession of every abnormal drinker is to think that one day you can drink like other people. Yeah. It's, it's to remember and romanticize those handful of times that you got it just right. And like, man, remember that time we had two glasses of wine and we watched the sunset and that was just perfect. At some point you crossed an invisible line and there ain't no going back. Yeah. We're all born cucumbers. Drugs and alcohol turn us into pickles. Mm -hmm. Pickles can't go back to being cucumbers. Like if you think you're going to try to control this deal, you're in for a long ride. Yeah. I'm sure that people have learned and figured it out. I'm not going to say no one has. I've yet to see anyone do it though. But I've seen more people I can count try. Yeah. And they end up right back right where back they where started. They were. Just absolutely miserable with their ass kicked again going, what just happened, man? Everything exactly. was good for a week and now it's not. But it's, yeah, we want, we want to romanticize those one or two times that things were just great. And it's like, that's that's what I'm after. That That's gone, man. That's gone. That yeah. ship sailed. It's long since past that. Remember the costs? Look at the costs. So what are some of the benefits? Okay, we get rid of our crutch. How about just some of the health benefits? Mm-hmm. Your blood work? Mm-hmm. Blood work looks good all of a sudden. They're not mm-hmm. saying, hey, what's up with your liver? Your filter is giving out on you, dude. Weight loss, you sleep better, stress levels regulate, mm-hmm. you deal with it normally, your emotions regulate. You actually have increase in gray matter in your brain. You increase the amount of synapses and neural connections in your mind when you remove alcohol. Yeah. Like they say that addiction is the disease because it changes the function of the brain, which mm-hmm. is true up until yes. a certain point mm-hmm. because people recovered, they can go back, they do brain scan on you before you ever drink. They measure how much gray matter you have in your brain. Then you use for an extended period of time, years and years of addiction. Yeah. You will, those areas become inactive. They are dead. They are gone. So we look at that and we say, all right, well, what's the point? I'm just screwed. And you can damage it to the point where you can't 
regenerate, but the mm-hmm. brain is amazing. Yeah. They've done studies on people who have been sober for over a year and found that the amount of gray matter in their brain has increased beyond even levels before they started. Sometimes in cases of tens of percentages points, like 10, 12, 15, 20% That's so more. Cool. It's insane. Yeah. Like you can teach yourself how to get through this. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's possible. And then when you do that, all kinds of great things happen. Your relationships improve. Therefore, your stress is relieved even more. Mm-hmm. Your skin gets better. Yep. It's just, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Tons of benefits. Yeah. Like the, the health benefits and then the relationship benefits. Oh my God. Like go back and listen to our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of them. Like we're, we're by no means like a model for like, hey, just be like us. But I think we've, we've got a pretty healthy freaking marriage. Yeah. Healthy relationships in general. I have intimacy in all of my relationships, close people. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of just little acquaintances because I don't have small talk stuff anymore. Like I'm, I want to know what's going on with people. I want to learn from them. I want to figure out how you fixed your problems and see how I can apply that to my life. Yep. I want to know what's going on with you. I want to peel back the onion. You know, I'll, I'll come back to that. The, the onion thing. Why? It's just, a, you'll see. <laughs> it'll run full circle here. Okay. But like, what does it really entail? Right. Cause I think a lot of people think about sobriety and they're like, man, what's the point? Like, that sounds lame. Like, I don't want to do that. Let's throw aside everything you think you know about it and just talk about some of the things that occur when we are recovered. Mm-hmm. Once we've gotten better. Okay. Um, you're going to act your age to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh. like, I will always be, um, I don't know. I think I do this more as just a personality thing. Like I've always kind of just like middle fingers to the establishment. Oh yeah. That's just part of you. But I've grown up to the point where I can act my age and then some. Yeah. Carry on conversations with people. I can handle situations that used to just throw me for a loop. Um, I can talk to other people who are experiencing hardships and help them get through it. I've grown up and I've, I've really gained a sense of accountability, yeah. which has been maybe the biggest game changer for a relationship. Um, your spouse is probably drawn to us or your partner is drawn to us because I'm a guy that talks about the accountability necessary to work on a marriage after mm-hmm. the, the toughest part for someone, because the thing about accountability that's tricky is that um, asking someone to take accountability that's not ready is going to feel like an attack to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to think you're attacking them and like, you're belittling them and you're, you're talking down on them and you're shaming them and all that stuff. Like the piper has to get paid eventually. And I I've done that now, but in doing that and validating your experiences and taking accountability for them, you can now look yourself in the mirror and be like, I knew I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. My gut intuition is correct. And that empowers you, Yep. which then in turn makes the relationship better. Yeah. So Absolutely. accountability is something I learned through this process, yeah. how to validate people's emotions. I used to be a fixer. Males are typically like we're taught to be fixers. If someone has a problem, it's your job to fix it. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's not your job to fix every problem. Nope. It's your job to validate people's experiences though. Mm-hmm. Just let them know that this, it's okay to have those emotions. It's okay to, to feel that way. You're safe. I understand. It's all you have to say. Yeah. People are smart. They will figure these things out. And if they want advice, they'll ask, ask. for it. Right. They're not, you don't need unsolicited. Then you become like the preacher guy you thought I was. Yeah. You know, I'm not. <laughs> yes. I swear. Um, I became honest. Yeah. honest. Oh my gosh. Brutally honest. This is just who I am. I'm not going to pretend to do anything. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. And then I learned to ask for help myself. There was, you know, there were times where I didn't know how to handle a problem. I started asking for help. I looked out for others. I looked out to others and say, Hey, you've been through this. How did you do that? And that's so hard to do for us, Mm -hmm. man. That's hard. We were not taught to do that. Taught just push that crap down and figure it out. Yeah. We don't ever talk about it unless we're drunk, which is another reason I think a lot of men like that because it helps open up, but you can do it in other ways. That's true. Um, some of the challenges that many people encounter in early recovery is that you can't fix all your problems with the same brain that created them. Oh, yeah. Like Your best thinking got us here. So we're going to have to take some advice from the outside. Yeah. Which is tough. Like I said, like, like I just explained why that's tough. And it is tough to, and there's more than one way to skin this cat, right? Like I'm not sitting here. I, I personally got sober through a 12-step program, but I've known people that got sober in many other ways. Like there's, a new one I'm reading about called rational recovery, which is nothing more than 
changing your behaviors, understanding that you have an addictive voice that lives within you that wants to drive the behavior of addiction. And it's a matter of identifying that thing, taking new behaviors. And over time you can fix it. There are medical cures, not cures, but there are medical solutions, I guess, treatments for this. Treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, now Traxone, Vivitrol, Antabuse are all drugs they can give to alcoholics, drug addicts to control um, compulsive behavior, um, Suboxone, Methadone, or for opiates. There, there are ways, right? There are also other programs, Refuge Recovery, um, Smart Recovery, uh, Life Ring, and I'm forgetting several, but there are a million different ways. You can just run the course of therapy. There are solutions. Yeah. They all involve asking for help though. And they all right. ideas that come from the outside. Right. Because there's a lot of people who will say, I can do this myself. Oh I got my, this. Everyone says I got that. this. I can do this, but it, it rarely ever works. You out. don't got this. And like you said, you can't fix a problem with the same problem or same brain that you had. You just, right. you, you have to, the information is going to have to come from, from somebody else. somewhere else. Your yes. best thinking got you here. And this is no different than a problem within a company. Let's say that your company has been running at a loss for three years straight. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to fix it. No, you're not. You're probably going to hire a consultant to come in and be like, Hey, what do I need to do different? Mm-hmm. And you're going to listen. But when it comes to our personal lives, it's like, no, I would never do that. I would never. It's crazy though. Why not? Why not? There are solutions out there. There are people with great ideas. Like there are lots of smart ideas and books that you've never read. Yeah. <laughs> read them, <laughs> watch it, take this in, listen. There are wonderful ideas and ways to make changes on your terms, but just understand that if your goal is ultimately to be able to keep drinking, just learn how to do it like a gentleman, it's probably going to go poorly. Right. And you can come back to me and say I'm wrong, but I'm not. I've seen this fail more times than I can count. If you figured it out, oh you will be gosh. a billionaire because everyone will want to know how you did it. That's true. Uh, another challenge is that like, at some point, the rubber's going to meet the road and this gets really, 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 really hard. Something will happen. You'll have uh, a death in your family. You'll have a, a yeah. you'll get fired from a job. Everything will fall Life apart. Life will happen. Life will happen, man. And in those moments, the first thing you will want to do is what you used to do, which is just get drunk. Yeah. But I'm just going to encourage you to do something different. Talk to somebody. Feel that stuff. It's okay. Like you have to want it for you as well, which is a tough, I think a lot of people get desperate because their spouse has become educated and empowered. And they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. And they leave. Yeah. Now, now they get desperate. I want my wife back. I want my wife back. Okay. What happens if she never comes back? What happens if she never comes back? Well, then I'm probably not going to stay sober. Well, you're doing it for the wrong reasons then. Yep. Because you're never going to do the work required, how hard this stuff is, if it's not for you and all the things that she saw in you, the incredible person that you are deep down in there past this addictive personality can only be found through self-discovery. You can't do it for someone else. It's gotta be for you. Another thing I see a lot is, um, the spouse will be drinking. Yeah. It's like when the spouse drinks, it's like, well, you can't do that. Yeah. She can, they can, he can, they haven't lost their privilege to chemical peace of mind right there. You have Mm -hmm. Paige drinks like a normal person. Mm -hmm. Like would you have like a margarita and a half last night? Yes. The, I threw away half of the rest of it. Which, in my opinion, is alcohol abuse. Yes. Anytime I, I spill out or I pour out any of my drinks or I leave them on the table, he's like, that's alcohol abuse. I'm like, what are you What are you encouraging <laughs> this for, you crazy person? It's a joke. Like, who leaves half a drink? I know. That's crazy. It's funny. It's but, crazy. But, but yeah, you've never, you've I've, never I've lost me. my privilege and never at any point do I feel like I'm missing out anymore. Like, I see drunk people. I see, I see you. You're out there spitting on people, talking close, talking foreign just from their face, uh-huh. saying the same story five or six times, looking like a damn fool. Your posture's all bad, and you're just like faces all red, faces all red, sweaty. looking like a fool. I don't want to be that dude anymore. <laughs> Not appealing to me, damn baby, at all. I don't want any part of it. I, I very much enjoy the way I feel today. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But you know the benefits to all this. We've talked about some of them, but literally everything gets better. And that's tongue in cheek way of saying that when we get better, everything just gets better. But I participate in my life today. I gave up control of everyone and everything around me and life got easier. I'm not saying like, yeah, like a bill comes in, I'm going to pay it. Right. Not like that. Yeah. Not that extreme. But if someone's acting a fool and it's nothing I've done to done to cause it, I just detach myself from it. I'm not getting involved in that. Mm -hmm. You can't afford the rent in my head, dude. I'm not giving you that. You're not getting that space in my mind. That came as a result of this, just giving up control. And I, I don't have fear of everything anymore. Uh, I have more time now than I've ever dreamed of. I, I, I take risks still, but they're calculated risks. Yeah. They're not just like stupid risks, you know? Yeah. I ask for help. I have close friendships based on real stuff. And I think 
possibly the most, the biggest thing is I'm useful to other people now and I have purpose yeah. beyond just bringing home a check. Like, Hey, I paid the bills today. That's it. No, I, I'm a person today. I'm living my life. I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. I'm living the life I was always intended to live. And the sky's the limit. It's going to get better than this. Mm-hmm. It can keep getting better. Like mm-hmm. The other shoe doesn't have to fall. Yeah. And I've never sworn off of it forever. Don't, I, that's another big one that a lot of people will hear. And it's like, never again. I can never have another beer again. I don't even go that far. My little hamster brain can handle today. I know I'm not drinking today. So someone, and someone asked me this question one time. I was like, so you're really never going to drink again? I was like, I'm just not drinking today. Mm-hmm. They kind of looked at me and like raised an eyebrow. They're like, okay, touche. <laughs> just not drinking today, man. Yeah. I don't make promises or guarantees. None of that. But like, what's the worst that could happen if you decide to walk this path? Like I will refund your misery personally. You can have it back. Mm-hmm. But the other option of it, you get better and everything gets better. And you deal with your problems a lot better than you did before. Yeah. Man, and like I, I know that behind – it's warm, man. Yeah, I shouldn't have worn a hoodie. <laughs> I uh, I know that behind addiction is often a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. And people don't just decide to get drunk just because they like the effect. Now, many do, mm-hmm. but there are many others that have a ton of trauma. And I know that we were not taught how to handle this. If you're a man listening, if you're a man listening to this, we weren't taught how to handle trauma. We were taught to stuff it down and keep walking. Stay strong. Do one foot in front of the other. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, quit crying, suck it up and go. That's what we were taught to do. Men don't cry. Men don't have problems. But once again, masculinity is changing. But we were not informed. That's the thing. It's like, it's as much as I want to say, it's like, it's not men's fault. Like in some ways, like I think that a lot of failures in relationships in general boil down to communication. Well, yeah, that's why, you know, men don't validate women because y'all were taught not to validate emotions. Yeah. But doesn't mean it's not our responsibility to do it. Right. Just because I wasn't taught. Right. I have the responsibility still to do it. Yeah. I think that's a tough one that we battle with. It's like I'm in my 40s or 50s and I'm hearing this. I'm like, supposed to change all this all of a sudden? Not asking you to change everything all of a sudden. No. Acknowledge it and start to walk the path a little by slow. One foot in front of the other. Each day a little bit better. But the face of masculinity is changing. Yeah. And we haven't been kept up with. You know, we've been looking at how to advance women for a very long time. And that's a beautiful thing. And women have gotten much better, but we've gotten, gotten left out in a lot of this and the trauma that underlies a lot of this stuff. It's okay. I have it too. I have tons of trauma from my past and it's okay to say that I'm not okay. It doesn't make you less of a man or less of a woman to admit that you're in pain. It's not your fault that you're in pain. There are, if you're, if you were a child and you've got childhood trauma, you didn't have a part in that. You didn't. Your only part of them is that you're in your forties and you're choosing to be a victim rather than a survivor and to learn to process this stuff and find some way for that to empower you. I'm not telling you, you need to just let this stuff slide either. It's, it's to look at it and own it. Yeah. Look at it and own it. It's really tough, but it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to deal with. Here's the screwed up part about trauma is that alcoholics who have been through trauma know how bad trauma can be, but you know what we do when we drink and use you're giving we give it right back to everyone around us it's like we pass it out like stocking stuffers like scratch off lottery tickets at the holiday party here you have one you have some trauma we just give that stuff away to everybody Mm -hmm. so it's it's sad and it's i don't know it's depressing that the people who have it the worst give it right back to everyone around them and it just spreads the cancer yeah it just keeps going it keeps going but you can break the cycle break that cycle break it it's tough to do but you can do it yeah it is so again like my wife wasn't trying to control my life. She was actually trying to save it. Yours is probably probably doing the same thing. The, the nagging and all that. Just listen for a moment. Just listen. You're going to hear some hope in there. She's telling you what she sees in you, what she believes you can be. She's not asking you to up and do it today. But these are not huge requests most of the time. Yeah. It's like, could you just be sober and be home and like enjoy a movie with me? Could you just talk to me about my day? Could you ever wonder what's going on in my life? What about your kids? How about what's going on in your life? Tell me about how you feel. Participate in life. Yeah. They're not asking for a lot. Yeah. They're just not. I haven't seen that anyway. And and in all fairness, maybe someone has crossed that line and they're asking for a lot, but I've never, I've just seen someone trying to save someone else's life. Generally is what we see. Um, you know that, um, 
You ever heard that saying, be the person that your dog thinks you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> be the person your dog thinks you are. Oh my God. Like when we walk in the house, you could have just, uh, you know, you could have just like cut up a family of four and put them in barrels and dumped them in the bottom of the ocean. But when you walk in your front door, your dog is going to think you are the greatest human on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you've done. Be the person your wife thinks you are. Yeah. Be the person your dog thinks you are. That's great. Have you ever heard that before? It always cracked me up. Because it's true. I can be yeah. like, I can come in. That the goofy dog will look at me and like, he's just perfect. Look at him. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. I'm like, I love you, little dog. That's why dogs are oh great, right? Gosh. They don't call us on our BS. Yeah. But spouses will. Yeah. We've got a theory on that too. <laughs> <laughs> For why some people have too many pets. Yeah. We'll keep that. <laughs> You're getting off track now. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no shame in having a problem, right? But stay in your lane. Let's own our stuff, our stuff. Stop worrying about how miserable everyone else needs to be just so that we can make progress. Like, mm-hmm. I will only I will only change if you agree to change too. Like, that's not how this works. Let's just look at our side of the street and figure God. out what we can change. Let's own that. And, and my hope is that someone hears this and they hear maybe one thing and they're like, okay, when he said that, I felt hope. That's all, I, that's all I'm hoping for here. I'm using hope too much, but that's the only word I can think I mean, of. It's, it's a just, great word. It's, it's important and it's vital and it's powerful because many people didn't know that this was an option. Yeah. You, you could be happy and sober. Are you kidding me? For real. Didn't know that was possible. Yeah. I worked with a guy who told me that. He's like, wait, I could be happy and sober? <laughs> Dude, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like way happier than you can ever imagine. He's like, well, if you can show me how to do that, I'm in. Because the bottom line is that if you don't find a sufficient substitute for the joy that drinking gave you, you're going to go back. So reinvent yourself. Yep. Reinvent yourself. You can do that today. A lot of times when we get sober, suddenly we have this midlife crisis and we're like, okay, I'm divorcing my wife. I'm moving to Canada. I'm going to start a PhD program from a guy with the high school education. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. back up. Let's not make any massive changes, at least for a year. Yeah. Let's kind of learn how to walk again, and then mm-hmm. we'll go there. But if you want to get fit, that's wonderful. Start eating healthier. That's good. Reading more books. Okay, cool. Maybe start going to church or doing something for you. Okay. Chill on the big stuff, though, for yeah. just a moment. Ch- run that yeah. by somebody before you up and have a midlife crisis. Right. So I just, I hope that someone heard something from this. I hope that you've listened to this point this long and thought, okay, there's something to that. And this thing that my wife has found is probably not all BS because what we're doing at the end of the day, I hate to say this, we're educating Mm -hmm. and we're empowering and we're validating and we're helping your partner in their recovery, their own recovery journey. You will have yours if you choose, but they've chosen to have theirs and that's why they come here and listen. That's why they come for the content because they have their own. What will happen eventually, I hate to say this, but this is just what typically happens, is education is a powerful thing. And once someone becomes educated, you can't go back. Once you learn certain things, you can't go back. Once they learn that they could be happy without their addiction, which is you, mm-hmm. you're on your own. Yep. But you have a chance still if you're listening to this. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not too late. Yeah. It's I'm not going to say it's easy. It is incredibly hard. It's be the hardest thing you've ever done. But she's going to figure this out. She's going to become empowered enough to say, you know what? I don't have to tolerate this stuff. And you would have missed out on the most amazing relationship that you would have ever had with somebody. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And I've seen this a million times when someone gets empowered enough to make the toughest decision of their life. The the partner who's being left, the the drinker, the drug person who's I'm gonna close this damn thing, person who's taking drugs, drinking is, is going to blame them. They're going to blame us. Yeah. We got insurance for that, but they're going to blame <laughs> us. They're going to say it's your fault. It's, 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 it's all you. I've seen it a million times, but once again, you, you, you can't fix your problem with the same mind that created it. And if you, if, if you, if you do split and you go get in another relationship, you know, what's going to happen. Same. same thing. Same thing. Or you're going to find someone as sick as you are. Yeah. And then it's like Bonnie and Clyde. Right. You're end up shot up on the side of the road somewhere in Louisiana <laughs> in front of an old, 40 Ford or whatever they were driving. <laughs> That's what happens in those relationships, but it will follow you around. It'll just rinse and repeat. It'll be a cycle of your life. And maybe one day you'll figure it out. Hmm. Maybe I should have done something about that. So maybe this is the intervention. You need to hear something. Maybe this is what you need to hear. 
listen, I'm gentle. I walk that line between do no harm and take no shit as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you got to let people know yeah. what's really at stake here. Yeah. But on the other gotta hand, get deep. that you are loved deeply. There's brilliance within you. Yes. And we can unlock it. You can get better. You can become 10 times better than you ever were. You can be remembered with the legacy of being an incredible person. But if you keep this up, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Yep. It's not. It's going to be an awkward funeral where they're going to beat around the bush and no one talks about what the real problem was. I've been to those two. I've seen more people. I've lost more people from this thing in the 10 years I've been sober than the previous 20 plus years of my life combined mm-hmm. in the short 10 year span. People with great potential, amazing people, loving, beautiful people who just wouldn't listen and heed the warnings and do anything it took. And it breaks my heart that they're not here today. But at the same time, it also, I, I see that and I'm like, well, it could have been me. I'm just going to work harder. Every yeah. time I see that, it's like, it's reassurance that doesn't get better, man. Just keep going. This thing is like, it's progressive. It gets worse over time. Yeah. Never better. It gets worse. And it's, I just want you to know recovery is possible. And, um, you know, if you feel like she's nagging and that she's, she's wearing you out and she's right on the money. Let's just be real. Like maybe there's some stuff in there that came off a little ugly. I'll give you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spouses can be really hurtful sometimes, but when you've been backed into a corner and left with no options, you don't, you're out of, you're out of tricks. You just start getting ugly with each other. Yeah. And I know that. I yep. know that. I know that stuff hurts. A lot of things have been said on both sides that were not meant, but it's not the end. It doesn't have to be the end, nope. but if you don't see it that way, then it's going to be their end. They're going to hear something from us or another creator like us. You can't stop education. You can't stop someone that wants to be better. Yeah. They're eventually going to figure it out for themselves. But if you're like me, it's okay. There's millions of us. There's a million more in the ground though. Hmm. You can recover or you can run that well-worn path straight into the dirt. It's your call. I hope it was helpful. Yeah. That's all I've got really. I think it's good. You think so? Yeah. Is there anything I didn't cover? No, you covered everything. Okay. Well, and if I think of anything else, then we'll do. I know it's a bit of a heavy episode. episode, and I hope that someone listened to this all the way through. At least one person did. But it's designed for you to share with somebody in your life who's struggling. You don't really know how to have that conversation. Um, it's a tough conversation to have, and I, I get that question a lot. It's like, how do I bring this up? Mm-hmm. The, like how serious this is with because when I as soon as I do they freak it's, out on me yeah. they get mad it gets turned, turned so around I'm like, well I can have it they can't yell at me maybe I get a nasty email or something that's fine whatever that's okay. I'll delete it but whatever you can yell at me but it's you've got thick skin yeah I don't care man you, yeah you can yell at me yell at me that's fine you can yell at me I don't care but when it comes to these conversations they're tough to have because it's really not a nice way to say that our life has fallen apart and I feel like your drinking has something to do with it without you feeling a little bit shamed Mm -hmm. and a little bit victimized and bashed and battered. And I totally get that, but take a couple deep breaths and sit here with me and be like, yeah, okay. Maybe I have, maybe I have to some degree. That's fine. Yeah. And I've never met a, to this day, I have not met someone who's in a relationship with an active drinker or drug user who doesn't want to work some sort of collaborative recovery Mm -hmm. where they want to like, Hey, I want to work on my stuff and I want you to work on your stuff too. Yeah. And when people do that, man, you can't separate those two. That is a force. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. That's what we've done. I've worked my recovery. You've worked yours. We work it together. Together separately. separately. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. Some people get to that point, but the other side of this, the more common is that someone's going to recover and the other one ain't. Yeah. Mm, And that's tough to watch. Mm -hmm. But hey, man, we're here to, we're held here to help spouses veer. Yes. Validate, empower educate work their own recovery journey yes and that's what we are here to do but i'm your friend i'm not your enemy you may think of this that way but hey man i'm just I'm just educating people yeah that's all they yeah. make their own decisions i'll tell anyone what to do but they can figure it out they are not dummies mm-hmm. all right well that's it for our first uh episode of fall pumped about the season coming up yeah supposed to get our first cold front it's oh, gonna I can't be like wait. 82 degrees and the low is gonna be in the 50s <laughs> Oh, it's going to be great. Having coffee on the porch. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yep. Things we get to do now. Once again, another benefit. Yeah. It's a beautiful life, man. It's out there for you if you want. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, until next time, I am Matt. I'm Paige. We'll see you. Bye.